Coming up, we're discussing the most important new attraction opening announcements and breaking down why they matter. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is our weekly segment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. Green Tagged covers the top theme park news from each week. Remember, for haunt-only programming, you can check back here tomorrow. Here we go. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, I'm Philip. This is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Tampa, Scott Swenson <laughs> of Scott Swenson Creative Development. I'm, that's not going on my business cards. Mr. Tampa! Makes me sound so much more important. And, and well, you are very important, Mr. Tampa. <laughs> and, uh, well, Mr. Tampa, we're going to jump right in to the first story here. We Which, by the have, way, has nothing to do with Tampa. But we're just going to no, dive but, in but anyway. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Mr. Tampa can travel. Uh, <laughs> and this time he'll be traveling to Las Vegas. Uh, because in Las Vegas, there's an all-new IT-themed multi-room escape experience. Warner Brothers, Themed Entertainment, and Egan Escape Productions have joined forces to bring fans the newest escape room experience, experience, and it's called Escape It. And it's inspired by one of the most horrifying film franchises of all time, the It franchise experience, launching in Las Vegas this fall. It's located in Las Vegas. It's 30,000 square feet, and it's a revolutionary new take on the traditional escape room experiences, offering fans two multi-room escape adventures that bring to life It, the highest grossing horror film of all time, and its blockbuster sequel, It Chapter 2. It includes more than 20 interactive rooms, state-of-the-art special effects, lighting, animatronics, and live actors. And a few other notes here I thought that was really interesting. They did name some of the locations that are going to be featured, including the Nybolt House, the Losers Club House, the Dairy Canal Days Festival, the Sewers Below Dairy, and of course, Pennywise will be featured in there. And the other thing I think is also interesting is that it's including a full-scale It-themed retail store. That's a key. Of course. <laughs> of course, with photo ops and exclusive merchandise and carnival Midway-style games. And of course, in this case, the Midway-style, the carnival-style Midway games is also an upsell, but it does tie in because th those are part of the of the storyline that that that's you know you there are midway games in the uh in the franchise so it fits in very well um there's also going to be vip experience tickets as well as packages for birthdays team building etc cetera, etc cetera, when those go on sale so what do you think well again it's it's kind of what we've been talking about all along and i think it's where vegas is going more and more and more uh and that is becoming something that you don't just go and watch you go and do and, uh, and I think that's, you know, it, for years we've been trying to define what is immersive or what is interactive or what is, you know, and, and I think that's the easiest, most succinct version I've found to describe the difference between a piece of theater that is traditional, we'll use that term, um, even though immersive theater has been around for, you know, centuries, um, yeah. but, but something that is more traditionally thought of as theater and something that is, is immersive. It's, do I watch it or do I do it? Do I participate in it? And are my actions somehow affecting the experience overall? And this is, I mean, that's escape rooms. That's clearly what this is all about. And <clears throat> I think it is, I think it is very wise. I, I am a little, it's, it's penny wise, I would mm. say. And, uh, and I think it's interesting that <laughs> I just lost Philip. He was like, Ooh, dad joke alert. So, uh, but I, I think it's interesting too, that if I'm not mistaken, it is less than five minutes from the strip. Yep. Um, and so 
it's they're saving money by not being on the strip and yeah. uh and they're but they're but they're staying close to it um yeah i i think it's exciting i think it shows exactly where entertainment is going now and especially Correct. vegas style entertainment um this is something that that only because i have been on preliminary i've been in preliminary work with some other projects that never opened in vegas uh because they didn't feel they were ready to be this immersive mm -hmm. um this is something they've been trying to do for at least uh three or four years and uh so i'm glad to see that they feel confident that the uh, the it franchise is going to have enough draw to put anyone's mind at ease who hasn't necessarily done an immersive experience and um you know if if you think about it did you say did you say 20 room yes escape yes. experience yes. 20 room escape yes. experiences that's so like two, two different tracks and there are 20 rooms i guess in total but two different tracks yeah so so that's 10 rooms per track yeah ish um that's ish. there's an evening's worth of entertainment um yeah i'll yeah. be i'll be very curious to see how that turns out because i think that's uh because what we're looking at here is not an escape room. It's not even an adventure room like Five Wits and that sort of thing. This is this is a full a full walkthrough experience. Correct. Done in an escape room style. Done in an escape room yeah. style, which yeah. again, I've had a little bit of experience with as well and um I love it. I think it's a lot yeah. of fun and I'm I'm hoping that this kind of entertainment picks up and is very popular with guests because um it's it's what I enjoy writing, and I think it is the next step. Um, and it's and they're not the first ones or, or the only ones to do it. They're certainly this is certainly one of the largest uh, experiences, you know. And and it's to me looking at the at the whole um, Vegas vibe, they're taking they're 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 building off of the wave of Meow Wolf. They're building off of that sort of right. immersive experience and making it more accessible to people who may not be quite so esoteric they're looking for they're going after a franchise that everybody knows and everybody feels comfortable with um or is terrified of one or the other and uh so it's it sounds like it's the next the next building block in a a more global immersive experience realm i like it i think it's what, fun what what I would say that, yet yeah, I agree to that. I think the reason this is important is because it is the convergence of a lot of trends that we know are already taking place and in shape in other ways. But this is just an example. Like I would push back on what the press release says in terms of it being revolutionary. I, I don't. I wouldn't quite go to say that it's revolutionary. I would more say that it is again the standard of entertainment or the new standard where, where we are now. But I think you look at it and you see that it is the convergence of a lot of other trends that are developing. Like the the popularity of IP, pop-up IP experiences, you know, people engaging with the brands outside of the screen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also this idea of horror not just being a Halloween thing, but if you can move it into it being about horror and it not being about Halloween, horror is year-round. And so bring that in. You know, you, we see that overseas in the UK, especially, they have a lot of year-round horror experiences that are tied to IP, so you're seeing that. Also, to your point about Meow Wolf, you know, essentially, this is very close to a haunted attraction. And I, I do want to do a shout-out, to This story was sent to us directly uh, by one of the producers. Um, thank who, you. We appreciate thank you. you. Yes, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, everybody covered this, so, you know, but but I'm glad that you sent it. And also, he is from the haunted attraction space. You know, he is, he is a haunted attraction producer. So this is essentially... 
very close to a haunted attraction. I feel, but to me, it's the same kind of model and takes the same operational guide as Meow Wolf. So basically, Meow Wolf is like a proof of concept, and now we have this person who is essentially creating something very close to a haunted attraction, but it's able to operate year round and it's operating with less of a need for an intensive amount of staff, but still involves actors. And since it's timed ticketing, essentially, then you can plan out your staffing capacity and you can have this consistent experience, but year-round operating and just let people walk through each room slower. And the reason I'm so excited to see how this turns out is for a lot of the same reasons that you just mentioned. But I think all too often when people think of a haunted experience um, or a, a, a haunted walkthrough or a haunted house or whatever you want to call it, um, I think there are some biases and some limitations that are put on it, not only from the guest standpoint, but also from the operator standpoint. And I don't want to think about this like I don't want to think about this like a haunted attraction. I don't. And I, I love right. haunted attractions. I love the Halloween industry, but I don't want to think about this as that. I want to think about this as an attraction. This is an attraction. Um, yes, it has scary elements, but it is an attraction that can that can easily support itself year round. That can easily support itself based on the popularity of the uh, of the IP, and and I think that's really important to recognize. I don't want to, and I don't. I'm not, I'm not going to use diminish, but I don't want to pigeonhole it as a haunted attraction. It is not. It is an attraction that will operate year round that has haunted content. And you're probably going to ask yourself, well, what's the difference? And I think that's an excellent question because I don't think there is any. So stop putting yourselves in boxes. That's what I'm, that's my yep. real point. No, that's an excellent point. I think if they had said a year round haunted attraction based on it opens, it would have been not nearly as impactful as just saying there's a year round attraction coming to Las Vegas and it features Pennywise from it. Yep. That's it. And that's a much better frame for something that is essentially very similar to exactly the, the same thing. But it also is showing you that's where the industry is trying to get to. Like we see haunted attractions all over the world that are trying to get into the space where they're operating kind of year round in the in different ways. You know, maybe for October, you have your 20 room haunt and you have a, a line that goes through it of pulses. But then outside of Halloween, you know, your 20 room haunt becomes a slower timed experience where they go through one room at a time. Or you, since you've got two paths, you take one, make one a 10-room haunt, keep the other one as the the upcharge, uh, more in-depth experience that is escape room. Yeah, there's there's a again, I don't want to think of this as a haunt. That's the most important right. thing. I, I can't drive yes. that home enough because I think the moment people start to think of it as a haunt, it puts limitations on it that are unnecessary. Yeah. Okay. Well, our next uh story here, I can't think of a good segue, so we'll just go on. Is Universal Beijing Resort debuts a new Chinese-made game-themed parade. Universal Beijing launched a new parade on Friday, inviting characters from the popular Chinese-made mobile game, Honor of Kings. 11 game characters performed on four floats, stirring the fervor of tourists with traditional Chinese cultural elements. The game, developed by Tencent, ranked first on the list of global top-grossing mobile games in February, with approximately $222 million U.S. million in player spending, according to mobile app data analysis firm Spencer Tower. Or Spencer Tower. So, again, important because... I, I kind of like this because it's like taking the little elements of like the, the cap cavalcades that Disney first started with like, you know, a small lower amount of floats, but kind of calling it a parade, but kind of like a character experience. But it's essentially, this is a mobile game character experience, which is really popular with the locals. But it's it's like, again, the same idea of IP extension, 
but you're partnering with other people to create that IP extension. And I think in this case, it benefits both Tencent and the attraction here at Universal, because I guarantee you there will be people who will go there just to see those characters mm-hmm. in person mm-hmm. and vice versa. So brilliant, brilliant. I think this is a this is a kind of like a masterstroke. Also, it is one of those things where you're going to be seeing more of because this is a trend. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize this is kind of set up to be a win-win-win scenario yeah. because you know as you say philip the the uh there are going to be people who will go just to see these characters because of the popularity of this of this unique ip i think mm-hmm. there will also be people who have never heard of these characters before who will experience them as part of their their universal experience and mm-hmm. all of a sudden be oh i need to look into this um i i think this is and and it just um basically ramps up the whole guest experience across the board even if you don't latch onto these characters and love them it's hopefully a a quality addition to the entertainment package uh at universal beijing um I, the thing that i find most interesting about this for me and again i think it's probably because of my age but i love the fact that uh in china they are recognizing the financial power of ips that aren't film that aren't television Mm -hmm. um they're recognizing and embracing wholeheartedly these kinds of intellectual properties and we're doing that to a certain extent um here in the u.s but i don't i have not seen it quite to the 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 level that is happening in china um it'll get here i mean it'll get here uh so i i think that the idea of of this is is important for all of you listening to kind of open up your eyes, uh, attractions folks. Um, if you're looking at, at planning stuff down the road, if you can can look into your crystal ball and figure out, okay, what's going to come up, you might be able to find some intellectual property deals that are not tied to bi- the big movie studios yet. Um, or find some ideas of, of intellectual property. This is, this is where I always went. This is where years ago I used to say, go to, um, local mythology or legend or whatever and and try to capture that and start to own that um this is that same sort of wild west you know find those find those games that are coming up find those find those podcasts find those tiktok stars find yes. those you know all of the the things that are going to be the next wave because film you know film is still going to be there i think i think there's still going to be production of uh production of things that people watch that they then want to experience i think that's great um, but I don't think it's the only place that intellectual property is going to come from. And I think this yeah. is a perfect example. I think your cavalcades that you were mentioning earlier, Philip, another great example. Um, but I, I would like to see I would like to see people not be afraid to reach out because I think, you know, as as I just said, this will not only bring in the dyed in the wool fans of Honor of Kings, it will also introduce Honor of Kings to a much broader or a different, a different audience. Yeah. Um so Again, these are the kinds of things that if you're creative in what you're looking at and you're trying to invest in some IP for the future, don't put blinders on. Keep looking at, you know, what, talk to your friends, talk to your friends' kids, talk to, you know, find out what they're hot about. Um, On on an almost unrelated note, my financial advisor uh, looked at me and she said, so what do you want to invest in? (laughs) And, And I said, I'm not the expert. She goes, I know, but things are it's the wild west out there right now and if there are things that you in your industry are passionate about um let's look at those stocks and see how they're performing so there's you can't ask the wrong you you can't 
you can't go down a wrong path if you're just asking questions. Continue to ask questions, continue to poke out and find what are those next exciting new intellectual properties and don't just rely on film and television. Okay, well, our next story is not about IP per se, but it is a trend one. And I think it is about, definitely the park has asked some questions and hopefully they got answers that they used to develop these. Uh, so Bush Gardens has some new enhancements that are coming this year. This is the Orlando Park, Bush Gardens in uh, Orlando. Uh, sorry, in Tampa. Just kidding. Tampa. Yes, because uh, I am, because I am Mr. Tampa. So yes, yes. To, so sorry. I have, I, have protect, I, mean, I have to protect my city. Oh, there we gosh, go. Okay. So <laughs> they, they, they announced kind of a slew of things. The ones that we'll be focusing on, I think, are the ones I think are more most interesting, which is they're going to debut a new event called Summer Celebration. There will also be n- new shows at Guasi Plaza, Dragonfire Grill, and Pantopia Theater. And the park will also roll out new perks for its past members, including a new exclusive lounge on the top floor of the Overlook and special rewards depending on past tier. Those two things are the key. One, that they're going to be developing like a velvet rope for their pass holders, this velvet rope concept, which Scott talks about a lot. And two, that there's this summer celebration. Now we're just calling it summer celebration. We're giving up with even other themes. When that's okay, the season's of fun, right? This is summer. We're just going to call it summer celebration. That's fine. It is, the, although, a continuation of this trend. Like, find ways to celebrate all the different seasons in your attraction to get people to come in multiple times. And you bring entertainment in and that, great. Um, eventually, that's going to max out, of course, as we've seen with Disney. And then you're going to have to think about going vertical, which is where the IP piece comes in, is the more going vertical piece. But but this is a good like kind of like first step in terms of developing back their their seasons of fun. And and once again, you know, I want to be completely transparent. This was my home park. I worked for the, I worked in this park for over 20 years. And <clears throat> the reason I am so excited to see this story is because to me, this brings back absolutely everything that somehow uh, had to be taken away during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. This shows that Bush Gardens Tampa is back and it is back without question. It is back with full purpose. Uh, the entertainment uh, is becoming as robust as it was years ago. Um, you know, and and I don't want to I don't want to underplay and say, well, it's about time they brought all this stuff back. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is they have persevered. They found a way to make it back. They found a way to make it new and fresh and wonderful. Um, the the whole idea behind summer celebration is really quite simple. Um, I, and the only reason that, well, one of the reasons I know this is I was part of the VIP party for Iron Gwazi, which is the new roller coaster. And they did a whole discussion about the change between summer nights uh, moving into summer celebration because they basically said, it's not just about being here at night now. It's about yeah. being here the entire summer. And there will be I'm going to call them chapters for lack of a better description, but there will be chapters within the summer celebration. Some of them will focus on um, the Hispanic community uh, with uh, Viva La Musica and bringing in uh, concerts from Latin American artists. Uh, Some of them will bring in a beer festival. Some of it will bring in a food and wine element. Um, But it all falls under the giant summer celebration uh, umbrella, which is kind of an interesting approach in the fact that they are creating this mega event with lots of in essence, pop-up events within within the overarching umbrella, which I think is is interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but I, I love the idea that they are going all in. Um, bringing back shows to, to Guazi Plaza, to uh, Dragonfire Grill, to Pantopia Theater, these are all theaters that were unfortunately casualties of the pandemic, and they are back, and they are back full out. 
And mm-hmm. the reason I keep using the word full out is one of the things that impressed me the most when I was at, at the Iron Gwazi VIP party was during, during the last few years, the, the openings or the, the press parties or the VIP parties that they had were fine, but they weren't, they weren't robust. Well, when I went to the, uh, the Iron Gwazi party, it was robust. It was a full out celebration, kick butt party. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was really proud to see the park, um, jumping back. And while I was there, um, actually shortly after the party, I had a chance to talk to Neil, who's the, the park president. And, and I, and I said, you know, this is amazing. And it's, it's clear that, that you guys are back. And he said, yeah, we are. And that's, that's what we want to make sure everybody understands is that the park is back and, and ready to go. So, um, there's no, there should be no hesitation in, in at least visiting Bush Gardens. And I'm assuming the other parks are going through the same sort of, uh, tsunami of, of entertainment yeah. returning, but, uh, there should be no hesitancy to make your plans to come to Bush Gardens, Tampa, because it is not, it's not what people have been talking about myself included that, you know, a lot of things had had to be closed for, for reasons, but there, but it's, it's back and it looks like it's more polished than ever. So kudos to them. I think that's great. And I think it's important to recognize they're, they're, they're back with a vengeance. They're back with, with a great deal of power. Yeah. I should mention there are a lot of other opening announcements, of course, for parks all over, but uh, we picked these, this one specifically, uh, just because of uh, the the expansion, as Scott mentioned, of the festival, and also does little things like the velvet rope, just because those are trends that we talk about in other stories. But to, to Scott's point, there are tons of other opening announcements. We just kind of highlight the ones that we think are important based on what we've talked about in the show previously. Uh, okay, our next story is uh, City Neon has revealed the debut of Avatar The Experience at Singapore's Gardens by the Bay. Avatar The Experience will debut at Cloud Forest at Gardens by the Bay, welcoming guests later this year. And the quote here from the the team is, the opening of Avatar The Experience in Singapore is a unique opportunity to continue expanding the global reach and impact of Avatar, the highest grossing film of all time. As the first of four Avatar sequels comes to theaters this December, this is a perfect time and the perfect place to explore and celebrate the wonders of Pandora in an all-new way. It's... Uh, th- you know, this is fine. I mean, this is one of the stories where I'm like, it's not huge news, but it is just a- another data point in seeing, you know, the extensions of the IPs utilizing the assets that they currently have in this place because the place looks like Avatar already. They don't need to build anything. <laughs> it just already looks like Avatar because it's it's a, a like a national landmark there in Singapore. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, again, this old hat trick of um boosting recognition for something before a sequel comes out to theaters, um, you know, kind of a thing. But so just, I think for me, this is more like a data point. I don't, I don't see anything they're doing here that is revolutionary, but it's a data point of best practices. I, I also think though, it is important to recognize that this is one of those other things that was not pandemic related, but actually was um, planned years and years ago. And, mm-hmm. um, if you do, and I, I'll let you go into, I'll let you do your own research and go into, you know, all the online discussions, but, um, the avatar sequels were supposed to have come out, um, prior to the opening of, of, uh, of, uh, Pandora. Yeah. Yeah. Pandora yeah. in Orlando. Um, but then there was challenges, issues, whatever. Um, and so all of the Pandora that was built for Orlando was actually based on not the original film, but, the upcoming 
uh, sequels. So unfortunately, that did not necessarily pan out the way that they had hoped. So what they're now doing is taking full advantage of this in a different location, but taking full advantage of this um, so that now they can ramp up for these for these films. And I think the the multiple ways of experiencing the world of the world of Avatar, the world of Pandora is is pretty exciting. And um, it gives them it gives them the opportunity to take some stuff that's been either sitting on the shelves from a design standpoint or they've just been waiting to pull the trigger on. Um, yeah. it, they're 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 ready to go. And I think now it's going to actually benefit them because there'll be a, a two, three, four punch of the the following sequels that will be coming out as well. Yeah. One more quick story here to wrap up this section. And this kind of uh, harkens back to some of the things we've already talked about in terms of uh, different ways to engage with guests and kind of everything old is new again. Uh, Cirque du Soleil meets New York's nightclub scene in Mad Apple. And this is a, in New York, it's a new uh, experience coming in. And what sets, I'm going to read here from the article, but what sets the production in, what sets the production apart is the recreation of a New York nightclub bar as part of the stage, encouraging audience members to show up early, grab a libation, and get a up-close look at astonishing pre-show magic while the band plays hits inspired by famous New York City musicians and composers. Well, and and this is you know this is immersive. This is something that you do, yeah. and and this is not just happening in New York. Um, if you've been watching what's been going on in the London theater scene, uh, the the Olivier's happened not too long ago and uh if you look at the uh, revival of the musical cabaret which was they basically gutted a west end theater and turned it into a club hmm just like mm. and uh and they then did the production of uh of cabaret starring eddie redmayne and they swept the Olivier's, which is the equivalent of the Tonys here in the U.S., and they they took seven, uh, which is a record for for the most number of Olivier's won in a single year. And um, there's talk about it coming to this production coming to New York, and it yeah. sounds like that this is just opening the door and and priming the audiences. I know it's not intentional, but the idea of a, a club that is hyper um, hyper show driven yeah. is is perfect. You know, it is it is immersive. It is um, a, a term that we used for a while there. It's retailtainment, um, even though it's it's alcohol based as opposed to souvenir based. Although I'm sure you can get a souvenir if you want one, because um, it's Cirque du Soleil, eh. yeah. Um, yeah. or it's cabaret. It's a it's a show. It's a Broadway show. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely a trend, and it looks like you know it's it's coming. It's starting to hit London with a great deal of, of fervor. Um, it's starting to hit New York with a great deal of enthusiasm and attention. And uh, so just just keep your eyes open for new and different ways to make it so that guests don't have to sit in rows in seats yes. to enjoy entertainment mm -hmm. in your attraction. Yeah. Okay, our last section here for the last few minutes, um, speaking of things you need to keep your eyes open on, mm -hmm. these are very quick stories, of things we don't want to dwell on, but things that you just need to be aware of and pay attention to. The first is that Philadelphia is to reinstate the indoor mask mandate. With the new coronavirus cases low but rising sharply in recent days, the city of Philadelphia announced on Monday that it will be reinstating, reinstating an indoor mask mandate a little more than a month after lifting it, becoming the first major U.S. city to do so. Not time to panic, but just sort of be aware. Kind of just like file it away and say, don't throw away your indoor mask policy plan, you know, thinking... Hang on to the just, signs. Hang, hang on, on to the signs. signs. Hang on. Don't throw them away. Just hang on to it. But don't panic. Um, there's no reason 
so far to believe that uh, attractions would be shut down for it. Um, just hang on to your mask signs. That's yeah. it. That's all we're saying. Yeah, it's it's important to keep in mind. And we've said this too. We've said we're not out of the woods yet and there was going to probably be some setbacks along the way. And these setbacks probably will not be as... as uh, massive or as sweeping as they once were, but they're going to be pop-ups and they're going to be situations where cities decide we need to go back and uh, take a half step back in order to take three steps forward. And it sounds like that's what Philadelphia is doing. The next quick hit here is the a few weeks ago, of course, the Amazon workers on Staten Island voted to unionize in a landmark win for labor. Um, And this really is one of the biggest victories for organized labor in a generation. It truly is. And so how does this impact you guys? It impacts you guys just because this is a starting to become a big piece of the conversation. When we're looking at staffing, we're looking at um, what really is there a need for uh, you know a, a third party voice in here to advocate for staff. Um, you, so basically, you want to get ahead of this by just understanding that this is going to be a question that will be on the minds of a lot of your workers in terms of. Um, is, is, is the company doing the best for us and what are they doing and how are they supporting us? Keep that in mind. That's just because when you're hiring 1,500 new people coming in, you know, just thinking that they're going to be thinking that this is the context they're coming in from is seeing this, uh, the kind of like potential revitalization of unions. Workers only vote to unionize when they feel that they are not being listened to by yes. their employer. They Because th- if you think about it, If they unionize, they have to pay someone else to make decisions for them and to speak on their behalf. If they feel that they are listened to, they are less likely, significantly less likely, to invest that extra money out of their paycheck to hire someone else to speak on their behalf. They have to recognize or they have to feel as though that unionization is going to more than make up for the money they have to pay in union dues. So, um... Listen to your employees. As Philip said, when you're bringing on a ton new, make sure that you know their names. Make sure that you hear mm-hmm. them. Make sure that you are as management out and about and and visible and transparent and open door so that they don't feel as though they have to hire someone, because in essence, that's what you're doing when you unionize, that they have to hire someone to speak on their behalf. Um, at the same time, if you are in a situation, you know, obviously unionization does happen. Um, I think it's unfortunate that it's necessary because you're paying a middleman. Mm-hmm. But if if it's necessary, it's necessary. What I'm saying to all of you leaders out there in the industry is make sure it's not necessary. Make sure that you are listening to your employees. Make sure that you are being responsive to their needs and providing them with a workplace that is uh, safe um, and gives them what they need while still meeting your your business needs and and your business following your business plan. Yeah. Our last shout out here is that Hal McEvoy, the president and Hal McEvoy, Hal McEvoy, Hal McEvoy, the president and CEO of IAPA, announced today. This was a few days ago, but that he will be that he will retire from his position in a year, so April first of twenty twenty three. Hal, just a quick shout out to Hal. I, I was actually right before in March of of the the year that shall not be named. I was with. Uh, I was actually with Hal at a leadership summit right as we were starting to see all of the lockdowns come across. And I just have have always thought that Hal was a, a great leader. And I think he did a lot to really hold attractions and hold IAPA together through the past several years. So I, he's great. I think he'll be missed. Just a shout out to him on uh, the kind of like the legacy that he left behind with guiding everybody. So 
And it's a perfect connection, actually, to our last story. Hal is a perfect example of someone who is always accessible, who is always interested, and always willing to listen. So, um, thank you, Hal, for your for your dedication to IAPA. And uh, you know, we've we've got another year to get everything we possibly can out of you, <laughs> <laughs> because what you bring what you bring to the table is so valuable to all of us. And and thank you, um, thank you. That's all I can say. And well, not quite all I can say because. Now I'm going to say we're out of time because we are. So uh, on behalf of Philip and myself, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. Again, tell your friends, come back next week. We will see you then with a whole bunch more information on the attractions industry. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.